bless you all. We're going to turn to the Word. If you just open your Bibles, and as the custom has been the last few Sundays, we'll turn to Mark chapter 11. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22. If you're getting tired of this, I'm just, uh, I don't think we've attained to it yet, and I think we're getting to it, and I want to walk in it. And I don't just want to look at it as, as something that's way out there. I want to step into it. It's a promise of God, and I believe it's for this hour, for an ordained people, and we want to walk and move in it. So Mark chapter 11, verse 22, and Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall, he, but shall have those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, I want you to read verse 24 with me and, and just put your name into it. This is not a promise that is out there that the people that follow the message, somebody will get it. This need, You need to put yourself in these words this morning. This is not for your neighbor or your dad or your brother or somebody that you look up to in the church. This is for every one of us this morning. So now, what's therefore I say unto you, what the way, what's things soever you desire? What do you desire this morning? When you pray, believe that you will receive them. Not that, oh, it might happen. No, it's going to come to me. It's not just something afar off. I'm going to step into it. And then he says, and believe that you receive them and that you shall have them. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, what a tremendous scripture. A scripture that the prophet himself it was in his heart. He would say there was two great scriptures that he didn't understand in the Bible. One when Moses would tell God a better thing to do than God himself. But then he came to realize it was Christ in Moses. And this was another one, Lord, that he couldn't understand how it was in the atonement. But I believe he moved into it, and not just himself, but I believe we're moving into it. 
And Lord, this isn't just Brother Ed's idea. This isn't that. But Lord, we believe that the Holy Ghost is moving us. And this morning, we've not come to hear a man's opinion, but we come to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying to the church. I pray that you'd minister to everyone that's listening. Lord, it's not about listening to me, but it's listening to you. And we want to honor you and reverence you. And I submit myself to you. And everyone submits ourselves to you. And Lord, let every spirit that is contrary be cast out this morning. Let unbelief be cast out. Let doubts be cast out. Lord, we want to move with you as you're moving today. Grant it, Lord. Bless your word as we read, as we continue in the Bible. We invite you now. Take the preeminence. Take the leading role at every heart. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. As you're seated, I'm going to invite you to turn to your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to read verse 1. Now I'm Approaching this, last week I, I, I had talked on being positioned with the eyes of faith that was seeing the promises of God. Uh, Hebrews 11 would talk about a group of people that would, would not just see the promises, but they would receive them. They saw them afar off. They were persuaded of them, and they embraced them. So when, when, when God gives a promise, there, there, there's a reason for it. It's God is wanting to do something. He is wanting to, us to have faith in what He wants to do. Not just that we can do something of ourselves, but I need somebody to partner up with me. I'm desiring to do something in the earth, and I'm looking for a people that will agree with me, that will see what I want to do, and will move with me. Are you one of them this morning? So, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we're going to read from verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, when, when you make a statement, having therefore these promises. What promises are we talking about, Paul? Like, having therefore these promises, let's do this and this. Well, what promises are we talking about? Well, let's just back up a few verses. Hebrew, uh, first, Second Corinthians 6, verse 14. These are the verses that led into this verse 1. He says, now, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? Now, God is a separator. God is not a mixer. The world is filled with mixers. Everybody is one. We've all got one ideology. You know, let's, let's, let's not be racist. Let's, let's black lives matter. All lives matter. But look, God is not a mixer. God is separating a people for his namesake. And he has called us unto himself, not unto the world ideology. That's what a prophet is for. A prophet cuts stones out. Stones are decisions. We need to make decisions, clean, clear-cut decisions. 
Friends, I'm not here this morning to, to baby you and say, oh, it's a tough time. God will help us. No, we are more than conquerors. We are able to take the land the way God said so. The God that promised the Egyptians would be no more and made a way through the Red Sea is here. The God said that crossed Jordan at its highest point, he is here. The God said there will be a people in a time of COVID, in a time of restrictions, he is here this morning. So he says, what concord hath Christ with Belial? What part is he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And as God said, I will dwell with them. I will dwell in them. And I will walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I'm one of those today. I'm not here just to uphold the church name or to uphold this. I'm here for the king. I'm here not just as part of a group revelation or a group uh, theology. No, I'm here by the order of the living God that dwells in me. It's his spirit that moves me, that drives me. We're not here as a group thing. We're here for God. Listen to the promises that God gives. I will dwell in them. Walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Have we heard that voice? And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and you will be a father unto me, and, you sh- and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now let's read chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved. <laughs> Hey, what's the promise? You can have joy unspeakable. You can walk with God. You don't have to follow rules and ordinances. That will happen automatically when you walk with God. You will fulfill it out of the joy of walking with Him. He's my Father. I'm His Son. I'm His daughter. And all of these things. Therefore, because that's the truth, because the Spirit of the living God dwells in me, therefore, I will separate myself. Therefore, Therefore, I will cleanse myself. Therefore, I will be perfected. Now, okay, that was, that was a whole bunch. Let, let's, I, I'll, I'll say this. I was talking to a brother and uh, just earlier in the last little bit, and he had just come out of a time of COVID and, and as a minister friend, and we're just talking about what his family went through, and then he just shared some things. So some of this is out of that conversation and subsequent time. But I want to speak this morning on the promises of God, but my title will be, What is Between You and the Promise? Now, this is personal. Okay? There's a mountain in front of me. God said I can have it, but what's going to hinder me? What's standing in the way? Now, this is going to, you're going to have to answer this question yourself. 
because I have to answer it myself. Every one of us does. What is standing between me and the promise? 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue." So having these, having, a, having these promises, now let's go to verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now, that you might be partakers of these by the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, I had more scriptures, but I'm going to just stop it there. I, I, I need to make sure that we grasp these points. Uh, redemption has two parts. There's a coming out, and there's a going in. And so the God that was with Moses brought Israel out up to the promises but the God uh, that was with Moses also moved into Joshua and possessed the promises. So the people that walked through a wilderness for 40 years and they were taken care of. They had manna every day. Their clothes never wore out. They never had to go to a shoemaker. They didn't have to do these things. God was with them, but it was just a way of life. And it was just comfortable walking around the wilderness. But there came a time when God said, now you need to go into the land and possess the land. Now you need to take the promises. Now you're no longer a church. You are my people. You need to step up and move in with me. I believe we're on the verge of a people taking what God has promised them. And that's where we're going this morning. So when God makes a promise, it's a declaration. This is out of the dictionary. But it's an assurance that one will do a particular something or something will happen. That's a promise. Now, that's the noun version. That's, oh, that's a promise. And we put it up on the shelf, and we, you know, one day this will happen, one day that'll happen. But to promise something. Now, how do you promise something? You give your word. Now, you want to do something, but you want to put the people in expectation. I'm going to do something. So now you come and you rehearse the promise in front of them. I'm going to do this for you. And what does it do? It gets people looking and, and desiring. It puts you into a grounds of expectation. 
God did not send a sign gift ministry in Moses just so the people could say, look at the God of Moses. Look at what God is doing. We have God with us. There was a greater promise than just looking at that. There was something that was going to be personal. It was something that was going to be an inheritance, something they could walk in, something they could possess. And that's what we want for what God has for us. Because he wrote our names on the Lamb's book of life uh, before the foundation of the world. Christ came to redeem us, but to make the promises real to us. Okay. God bless you all for pulling. Brother Branham would say, and he would use the word allotted sometimes. God allotted his word. And he was talking about a sister that had a healing. He says... When you see it working according to the word of God, God's promise for the hour. Now what's God's promise? The spirit always comes to the word. That's a promise. So what do we put before God? His word. When John the Baptist came into the river to baptize Jesus... And he was in his place. The Spirit came down and dwelt upon upon them. And it it remained on Jesus. Now, Brother Adam would say, Now God's promise to Noah won't work today. God's promise to Moses won't work today. We have got the message of the hour. So, now I ask the question, What is the promise of this hour? What is my part in the promises? He would say, we can't have Wesley's message. That's another time. God allotted his word to each age. And as each age comes along, he sends someone in there to vindicate the word to prove that it's true. We have seen in this last day that that what happened in the book of Acts is still happening today. What happened when when the promise was made that if you repent and you're baptized, you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost, that still works today. That's not an end to that promise. That promise is still going. And there are people that are possessing that promise. Now, he will also go on further. The nature of man is to praise God for what he did do. Oh, we need to just look at ourselves and our confession. Because even as Christians, we can get comfortable in what we believe and what we do, but God's pricking us this morning. If, don't get upset at me, please. I, I'm your friend this morning. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not against you this morning. But the Holy Spirit's here, and he's desiring. He's pricking me. You don't know what I went through to get to today. God dealing with me. So if if I come across as harsh or say something, don't just take it from me. God's speaking to us. And and listen, I'm here to help and and, and help you rise up. So work with me, please. I'm, 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 I'm not a Lord over you. He's the Lord over all of us. So he says, man is praising God for what he do, looking forward to what will be, ignoring what he's doing. That's the nature of man. That's continually. So how often do we look well? You know, when the bride recognizes who she is, the rapture will go, and and we leave it there. Hold on a second. I'm going to start walking in that now. I, I believe we're starting to see that we are a different people, 
And, and, and Brother Bannon would say right here, our message today is come out of Babylon and be free. Be filled with the Spirit. Get your lamps trimmed and clear. Look up. Our redemption is nigh. My hope is not in the government. My hope is not in some kind of a CERB program. My hope is not in a bailout. The bailout that's going to come is going to come through the Antichrist system. A Messiah is going to bail out the world. And they're going to get their Messiah. They're going to get their man. But that's not the man I'm looking to. I've got a different man. He's the fourth man in the fire. He's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He's the rapture. He's all of these things to us. Now, I'm going to just slow down, back up now. I, I, I got my, you know, they, they have what's called the trailer for uh, a movie or something. So you got the trailer. Okay, now we'll just do a little bit of foundation. We'll build up the story, and, and we'll climax beyond what the trailer had. Is that all right this morning? How many are with me this morning? I, I'm glad you're all awake this morning. You know what? There's, you always get concerned about when there's a time change. Uh, never, never concerned about it in the fall, because if people are here an hour early, it's going to be a good service. <laughs> you get concerned about it when you, when you come here. And, and there was a brother that years ago... Uh, came an hour early in the fall, and he, it, 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 you know, it, it should have been a time where he was praying, but he got concerned if the rapture had taken place. <laughs> the deacons aren't even here, and, and, and uh, anyway, we'll, we'll just leave that. Genesis 15, let's go there. It's a wonderful spirit here this morning. God bless you all. Genesis 3, or Genesis 15, rather. We're going to read uh, now in, in verse 13. Now, I, I'm just going to jump right into it, move, and I trust you move with me. God has called out Abraham. He's promised him, I will be with you. I will bless you. I will do all these things. You read that in chapter 12. Who's doing all of this? God's doing it. Who promised it? God promised it. And he says, and you'll have a mighty nation. And, and Abraham says, hold on, God. You made the wrong choice. <laughs> My wife and I can't have children. <laughs> God says, what's that to me? Trust in me. Sometimes we, we, we look, you, you don't know my background, Lord. Okay, we'll get to this. Genesis 15. Now, God is making a promise to Abraham. Now I'm going to relate it to Abraham's seed. And he says in verse 13, he said to Abraham, Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. A pharaoh that knew not Joseph arose. It's exactly what's happening right now. And he says, and verse 14, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall come out with a great substance. Now, to make this promise fulfill, there would have to be affliction, there would have to be rigor, there would have to be taskmasters, there would have to be a position of uncomfort. It wasn't going to be comfortable getting into position, getting into the, the fulfillment of this promise. But God said, I know all those things. That doesn't matter to me. 
What we need to be focused in is not the surroundings, not what we see with our natural eyes. We need to zero in on the promises of God. Faith has long-range vision. And he says, And thou shalt go to thy fathers in, a, in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good age. But in the fourth generation thou shalt come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not full. So there, there had to be a level of, of in the land that would bring a judgment. And I believe if the iniquity of the Amorites in this current day is not yet full, I believe it's coming to its fullness very, very quickly. Now, Brother Bannon would, would say this about the time of the promise. So, so here's Abraham, and, and he is, he's given this promise, and as he's given this promise, God begins to speak to him, and he says now, and Brother Bannon says, God's prophetic time would come to pass. He promised Abraham and his feet. They, they sojourned for, for 400 years. Now, no matter how impossible it seems to be, when the time of promise draws nigh, God makes things heap up to fit his prophetic promises. Do you believe that? Now, who would have thought that those people... Now, this is, this is Joseph who came into the land, who saved the land and, and from a time of famine and was well-respected and was Pharaoh's right-hand man. But who would have thought that all that they reverenced of Joseph, there'd come a time that there'd rise a Pharaoh that didn't remember Joseph? Whoever would have thought that the United States that was born on religious freedom and they came to this land would ever forget what they escaped and would sell out their birthright back into the very same thing. Who would have ever thought that? The men who died and lived in Washington and Lincoln, who, who men of principle. Oh, friends, let's be rugged Christians this morning. Let's not be soft. Listen, there's a spirit in the land that will try to undermine the prophet and what he's given us. I think we need to listen to tapes. Listen to that prophet speak. Listen to that voice. It's not history. It's current. And Brother Adam would come and say, I have not come, in the church age book, I have not come to start a new following. I have not come to, to bring a, a people or a name to myself. But I have one goal. I have one purpose. That's to bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ. And our relationship is we cannot mix with the world. That will hinder you from receiving the promises. I may not get to everything I need to get to today, but I, I need to move into it this way. Who would have thought that those people that were respected would ever forget Joseph? But when God's promise drew nigh, there arose a Pharaoh who knew not, caused taskmasters to be put on the people, and they began to be burdened, and they cried to God because of the reason of the taskmasters. And then during this time, they began to cry, well, God had a peculiar thing happen. Now, sometimes God will allow someone to speak evil of you. It could be on a job. Sometimes he'll allow somebody to speak evil to you or mock you. It could be a friend. Could be family, could could be could be somebody in church, and and it grieves you. But what does it do? It drives you to your knees and says, "Lord, 
Lord, help. No, you know, you don't, you don't call down fire on them and burn them up. Sorry, that's not what it's intended to do, okay? But it's intended to drive you closer to God. And closer to the promise. Because in times of comfort, we don't move into the promise. But when something irks us, when something pricks us, when something is behind us, it causes your roots to go down. It causes you to possess it. When a COVID comes in the land, you can't worship the way you want. Lord, I want to worship. I want to serve you. I want to gather together with the people. That's what this ought to do to you. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't and you're comfortable, I'd say, oh God, maybe you have to bring another level. Okay, you think, Brother Ed, you're being rough here with that. No, I'll go a little further. Now, angel of God is the message. When the time of promise drew nigh, the people began at that time to see there was something that happened to them some troubles. And God always causes troubles mostly to bring the people together. Oh, wow. To separate you. And he says, did you know that? And now Brother Bram says, I believe there'll be a time when there won't be any more division among the people of God. I belong to this church. I belong to that church. I believe the persecution will run the big ransom church of God together and will be one in Christ Jesus. Now, my flesh doesn't like this. Your flesh doesn't like it. You may even resent that I'm preaching it. But when God brings a persecution, it never hurts you spiritually. It hurts your comfort level, but it brings you closer to God. So if you're being persecuted this morning, thank God for it. Thank God that I'm one of his. Thank God that he saw enough of me that he wouldn't lay back in Laodicea in my ease and my comfort, but that he's doing something to drive me into the promises of God. I believe the persecution. Now, you're some kind of a, you know, got some kind of a spirit on you that you desire to see people tortured or something. No, that's not what I'm doing. But there's an end story to this promise. The promise isn't that you'll have a persecution. The promise is this. It'll drive the church together, we'll be one in Christ, and then he will take her home. <laughs> That's the promise. Whatever it takes to make your promise happen, Lord, may you do it. I have a, I have a friend, a, a brother who, told, who said one time, and he was just looking at himself as a minister even, and as different things, and he says, Lord, I don't always come up to what I should, but whatever it takes, Lord, perfect that which concerns me. And he proceeded to go through one of the, some of the most severe trials of his life. But he says, I'm better for it. Amen. In Shalom 1964, Brother Branham would say, I didn't understand why God took my wife from me, my daughter from me, 1964, the message, shalom, peace. He says, but today I understand it. Friends, there'll come a time when the Lamb will come and wipe away all tears. Now, if, it was, if there was no tears, what would he do? What would be his position there? 
But I'll tell you what, every one of us is going to be worthy of the robe. Everyone that comes there will be not, not just a halfway thing, but will have gone through something. There'll be something that we endured. Now, there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. I mean, the, the message I wanted to preach today was listening to your spiritual body, your theophany body, but that'll be another one. But today I just felt I need to be here. The Lord laid this on my heart. I just got to keep going with it. Now, let's just do one more I want to read here, and then I'm going to go to another scripture. Brother Branham would say, why cry speak? That's the message. I've been in perfect faith. Why cry speak? And he says, Moses, when he was told by his mother of his mysterious birth that the time was at hand, that there should be a deliverance, Amran and Josebed, the son and daughter of Levi, began to pray that God would send a deliverer. And when you see the time of the promise drawing nigh, it sets people to praying and to hungering. God bless you all that have had a burden to go and pray. I know there's some sisters, I know there's some brothers, and they're feeling this pull to pray. You know what that is? That's God getting set to fulfill his word. That's God getting set to make a move of God. Friends, before God ever does a move, it's got to start in here. It's got to be grassroots. It's got to be in the people. When the people weren't ready for Moses, what was their attitude towards Moses? Who set you over us? And God said, okay, they're not ready. Moses, you're not ready. There'll be another 40 years. I'm not here for another 40 years in the wilderness. I'm, it's time to go home. I'm tired of marching in a circle. I want to move. And he says, when the time of the promise draws nigh, it sets the people to praying and hungering. Now, Josabed, you know, and she starts as, as they, and, and actually there's a place in, this, in the message, and it's a different message. He says, usually the promise comes to those that are praying and seeking him. Who was seeking him? Amram and Josebed. Who did Moses come to? Or whose house was he born? Amram and Josebed. Are you hungering and seeking? Look for the promise to be fulfilled. Now he would say, Moses, you are different. You are born a different child. Let's go to Exodus 3. We're talking about the promises of God. Started to Abraham. God never, never, never forgets his word. Now, Exodus 3, I'm not going to read all of this, but you can read in verses 1 to 5, there was a burning bush. Moses was in the backside of the desert. It was a day like any other day. He stopped at Tim Hortons. He went to get his bagel. He did his different things. He had his coffee. He was sitting there watching the sheep. And all of a sudden, he looked up, and there was a burning bush. Now, okay, so sorry for putting it in, in those terms. I'm not trying to mock it or make it funny. But I'm just trying to make it real. It was a day like any other day when Rebecca went to the well, not knowing that was the day. Now, I, I, I believe we need to be ready when God's ready. Now, if Moses wasn't ready, if God hadn't knocked something out of him in the 40 years where he thought he could do something, but God had to knock that all out of him. And now God comes. Now there's a burning bush. And now Moses comes not with, I've been raised a proper child. I got this. No. Now it was Moses beat down, beat this, and then he humbles himself. Moses, take off your shoes. And when Moses turned aside to see, the Scripture says, then God met him. But there's a lot of people who aren't even conditioned to turn aside and see. Huh, what's this all about? I don't know. On they go, and they miss God. 
Listen, God's humbling us. God's breaking us down so he can come in us and fill us and work his promise through us. So I, I won't read up. Let's go to verse 6. And, and you know, in verse 5, he says, draw off your shoes. Verse 6, he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look on God. And the Lord said, I've seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry. Moses said, I was born a deliverer. But no, it was God hearing the people's cry. And as he heard their cry, he sent to Moses. And in this last day, under the promise of Malachi 4, I have sent you, the prophet Elijah. Why, why did, we're, we, try, we back it up sometimes. We think, oh, we're trying to follow him. No, the very reason the prophet Elijah came is because I'm here. And God knew I needed this. God needed, I needed a straight message. I needed to, not to be babied. I needed to be shaped up. And he's still shaping me up. And he's still shaping you up. And he says, I've, and by reason of their cry, I know their sorrows. I, now, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. So now, the promise, I'm going to take you out according to the, what I told Abraham. I didn't forget that. Now, I'm going to take you out. But right coupled with that is another part to it. And to bring them up into that land, in a good land, that's a land flowing with milk and honey into the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So when God calls us out, I'm going to take you out of worldliness. I'm going to take those bad habits from you. And I'm going to bring you into a place where you're going to fight real demons. Oh, I, I, I want to stay over here, Lord. No, if you're a real child of God, you don't care anymore. Amen. No, the promise, it's living in me. It's real in me. I'm going to move. I don't care what's in front of me. God started the work. God will finish the work. He will take care of us. Amen. And he says, no, therefore, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me, and I've seen the oppression of the Egyptians. Now, I will send you, come therefore, I will send you unto Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people. And Moses, who thought he could do it himself, now Moses, who am I? <laughs> wow. And he says that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel unto Egypt. And he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God in this mountain. This mountain, right now, you're going to come back here, Moses. There, there, I, I, I need to say, that which God promised in the book of Acts, the church has wandered a long time, but they're coming back to this mountain. They're coming back to the place where God said, I will dwell in a people. And it will be not a people, but it will not, not the works of a people, but the mighty God working in a people. And we need to yield to that. Let's just drop down to, to verse 17. Now, associated with the promise, he also tells them this. Now, are, are you with me this morning? Please, I, I just need you to stay with me. This, this, 
I need to lay this in. He said, I have said, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites. And he says, associated with that, because he didn't say that earlier, but he says, it's going to be, he actually did, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, there's all these other things, but there's something good. And the devil will point you to the giants, the Goliaths. He will try to cower over us. He will make things worse than they are. And we're like the little mouse that's running from the cat. And we're like the little mouse that's hiding from the cat. And one day when we ran, the cat pushed us a little too far. And we, we were running across a barrel, and we fell into the barrel. And it was a barrel full of wine, new wine. And under the new wine of the Holy Ghost, oh, I got no more fear. And we come out and we say, hold on, where are you, cat? <laughs> Listen, out of weakness they were made strong. What makes us strong? It's not ourselves. It's the God that we serve. The God that gave us the promises. Who is going to take God at his word? So he says, verse 18, And they shall hearken unto your, to your thy voice, and thou shalt come and the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now, remember, Moses was scared to go back to Egypt because he ran out of fear. But this pillar of fire and these words put something in him. And he said, Now you're going to go meet that same Pharaoh. And he says, and you're going to tell them, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go. We beseech thee three days' journey that we may sacrifice unto the Lord of God. And by the way, Moses, I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. Because I promised Abraham I'm going to take you out with a mighty hand. So don't expect to go in there, Moses. Have some signs and wonders and expect that the king will just bow to you. And, and the other reason God could be sure, because God it said, I'm going to harden his heart. I'm going to make it even more difficult to prove that I am God. To show that I'm going to show Satan in the time of COVID. I'm going to show Satan in the time of this last day when everything's against me. There's a people that will not bow to Ramses. There's a people that will take me at my word. And he says... He repeats the promise. Now, he's not going to let you go. So be not dismayed. Verse 21. Uh, verse 20. And I will stretch out my hand, and I will smite Egypt with all, with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, <laughs> he will let you go. <laughs> and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass, when you go, you shall not go out empty. They're going to be so frustrated with you. They're going to give you their gold and their silver and say, go. 
There's demons that are going to be so fed up with you. They're going to say, leave. Take your rapture. Go. Give us our three years tribulation. You guys get out of here. You're disrupting the program. Exactly. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. Our God is with us. And he says, they'll not let you go empty. Every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourns in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, raiment, and you shall put them on your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. Now, we could read much more. Let's go over to, I'm taking these couple of snippets to get to something. We're doing okay. Exodus 32. Now, they're in the journey. Exodus 32. They come back to the mountain, and they come back to the mountain, and Moses goes into the mountain and receives not just the Ten Commandments, but receives much, much, much more. Talks about the whole order of the tabernacle and everything. So in... What did I give? I didn't give you this one, did I? Exodus 32. Sorry, Brother Dan. Exodus 32... We're going to read verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as this man Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron, you know the whole story, he says, Take your earrings and take everything. We're going we're gonna to bring them to Aaron. And he and it says, he received them at their hand, verse 4, fashioned it with a graven tool. After that, he made a molten calf and said, these be the gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Now, later on when, when Aaron goes, the people made me do it. But the Bible says he fashioned it. The Bible says he cunningly did this for it. Friends, don't think for a minute that the things that rise up in our ranks aren't craftily cultivated don't think that Satan's not at work. Listen, believe God, believe his prophet, and you shall prosper. Now, while Moses is up in the mountain, verse 7, and the Lord says to Moses, Get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtst out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made a molten calf. They've worshipped. They've sacrificed and said, These be gods, O Israel, that brought thee out of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people. They're a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Now, God, why would he tell this to Moses? He could have just done it without telling Moses. But he was bringing something out of Moses. And there was Moses hiding something in him which was not apparent to the natural eye, to the visible eye. Even Moses didn't know it. But what did Moses do? It was the Spirit of Christ that was in Moses. And so while Moses heard God say these words, and Moses, verse 11, besought the Lord and said, Lord, why? Now, this is, this is amazing to me. Moses, who had an anger problem, is coaching God on anger. He says, Lord, why does your wrath wax hot? Maybe he had gone to some courses and he said, Lord, I got anger issues too. <laughs> 
And he says, why does your wrath wax hot against this people? But, but look at how he reverts back. He could have said, yeah, Lord, <laughs> you could make a great nation out of me. <laughs> I'm here, Lord. Let's do this. We got this together, you and me. No, he didn't even bring that. What did he bring? The promise of God. What do you do when you pray? Lord. <laughs> I'm crying, Lord. Hear me. And God sits there. <laughs> when are they going to get over their pity party? No. Forget the problem. Lord, you gave me a promise. Start rehearsing God's word. Start looking at the promise, not the problem. How are we going to do this, Lord? I have no idea, but that's your promise, Lord. What did Moses bring to God? Not the problem, the promise. And he says, You brought them out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief he brought them out to the mountains to consume them. Turn from your fierce wrath and repent of this evil of the people. Verse 13. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swear by your own self. I may not get to Hebrews chapter 6 today, but you read about a God who when he made a promise, he swore by no greater. Hey, we live in a time where everybody promises everything and then doesn't deliver. I've done it. You've done it. We're human beings. We're, we're, we're mortal. But God is not like a man. When God promises something, God, he says, I, number one, I promise it for a surety. Number two, I cannot lie. Not only does he have the power to do it, but it's, it's out of his nature. It's impossible for God to lie. So when God says something, he's going to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> hey, we might think we're upholding the message. We're doing our best. No, the Holy Ghost is here to back up his word. I'll, I'll, I'll yield my vessel to his promise. Okay, a side thing. But he says now, Remember, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, your servants, to whom you swear by themselves, and said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land I have spoken to you will I give to your seed, and they'll inherit never. So now he doesn't just take the present situation, but he takes the past, what you said, here we are, and, and this is what you said, and this is where we're going to. So, Lord, you took us out. You promised it. You took us out. But not only that, Lord, you said you'd give us this land. So it's not enough to walk in the wilderness. It's not enough to say we've got a prophet. You know, we've got this. You know, there's two schools of thought. There's some people that will humanize the prophet. Oh, it's Brother Branham. It's this and this. And then there's people that deify him. And both are wrong. It's not that. It was the spirit of Elijah sent by God to make us believe that all things are possible. So Moses rehearses all this back to God. You know, here comes God down to Moses. Moses, I'm going to kill this people. Moses says, oh God, don't do it. And he says, no, Moses, I'm going to take him away. I'm going to make a new thing. And God said, and, and Moses, but it's actually Looks like two separate people, 
but it's God revealing himself. Oh, friends, I had a question in my heart for years, for years, about a certain scripture and a quote in the message. And yesterday, just as I'm driving, I've gone through some things, I'm driving and I'm listening to, and all of a sudden, bang. It was hidden in the scripture, and God said a few words through a servant, and it just opened up to me. Oh, and I said, Lord, it's you. It's not me, it's you. I'll preach on it sometime. I can't do it today. So that's, that's one of those tantalizers. It's not even a, it's not even a trailer. It's a, and I don't want to give you the spoiler. So that's just that you'll come back and you won't know which service it'll be. <laughs> it'll keep some of you coming back. <laughs> okay. So verse 14. All of this happens, and now look at what God did. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Now this will not take a theological, intellectual mind to understand this. But I'm so glad we have a message. Okay, I brought all of that to play. Now I'm going down to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Now, as I said from the outset, redemption has a coming out and a going in. And we know there's a messenger in this last day that was given two signs like Moses was. And these two signs were part of first pull and second pull. But then there was going to come a third pull. And as much as those two were there and, and easy, but the third pull, if you just leave it at the first two and don't take the last one, I will say we have failed. We have failed if we don't take the last one. So Joshua chapter 1, as we just pick this up, and I'm going to read a little bit of this. Now, after the, Mo after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Okay? Now, I I'll, I'll say it in this way. The sign gift ministry, while it may be there in a minor form, but really, that's not the focus anymore. William Branham in the flesh is not here no more. But the God that was in him is still moving. And in fact, while he was here under second pull, he had to make a transition himself into third pull. Because he didn't type just Moses, but he typed a portion of Joshua. Now he wasn't the fullness, like he brought us in, but there's a people that were under Joshua, identified by Caleb, but I would say the Holy Spirit was the dominant one in third pull. It was no longer William Branham the man. But it was the Holy Spirit in him. Okay? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land that I will give thee, even to the children of Israel, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that I've given you, as I said to Moses. 
So the whole land was before them. They didn't have to worry, don't step on this. That, that, that's divine healing. Don't step on that. That's not yet. No. If they stepped on it, they could have it. Uh, no, that's deliverance. You can't step on that yet. No, you can have it. The whole land is before us. Revelations 5, anything that was head back from the church was open to the church in the last days. We have the full body word. We can lay a hold of every possession. Every promise in the book is mine. Now, I'm going to parallel as I'm reading this with what Brother Branham would speak of himself. In 1960, and I'm going to take you through the journey as he goes through because it's a journey you need to go through and I need to go through, we all need to go through. So in 1960, he, he's talking about when he would see Jesus and he said, I've seen him several times and I believe, and I, he saw him in a cloud, he saw him in a, different places and, and how he, one time he says, he looked down on me this is 1960. And he says, you're waiting for your new ministry to be confirmed to you. I've already confirmed it to you. It's already confirmed. You've got to accept it. And I stood and listened just a minute. And it came into my mind. I didn't hear it, but it just came into my mind. Now, what was the scripture Brother Branham was thinking of before the squirrels were created? It was Mark 11. Now, the signs were not a vindication of his ministry. They were pointing to something. They were pointing to something. It, yeah, they, God vindicated his prophet. Don't get me wrong. That's, but it was more than just saying, okay, that's the prophet. But it, it actually pointed to something. And he says, I'm afraid of defeat, okay? I need you to put yourself and myself in this situation. We have certain characteristics. Some are boisterous. Some are dogmatic. Somebody says, you know, I, 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 I got a bully that's bullying me all the time. Hey, I'll take care of that. Now you ask other people, they're a little more meek. Uh, <laughs> it's not me. No, not me. But I, I just want to say, sometimes we have to overcome our natural character to possess everything. Some are very emotional. And the emotion gets in the way of inheriting the promise. Now, I'm talking about what stands between you and the promise. Because Moses tried in his intellect and reasoning to take it, but that wasn't the way God wanted it done. God wants to work with us, but we need to surrender to Him. We need to yield to Him. So this is Brother Branham. He's just saying, I'm afraid of defeat. I'm afraid I'll bring a reproach. I'm afraid that I'll call out the wrong thing. I've taken a warning out of the Bible. Moses was given great power. He smote the rock. I remember and instead of speaking to it. So Brother Branham's recognizing Moses was a type. Then he says, and then I remember Elijah, because he was bald-headed, them little children teasing him about being bald-headed. He put a curse on them. 
He said, see, that wasn't the Holy Spirit, but that was the prophet that was angered. Now, when, when he talks about Moses, we just read in Moses in chapter 32, how Moses argued with God the promises, and, and this was without even seeing what happened. But then Moses comes down, and what does he see when he comes down? He sees the calf. He sees the reveling. He's got these tablets in his hand, and all of a sudden, he, Moses, Moses' anger gets the best of him. And the tablets, he throws them down. So there was a part of Moses that, that was of God and was moving him, but he hadn't fully brought it into subjection yet. He hadn't fully allowed the old self to die out yet. I need some dying out. You need dying out. We all need dying out. There's things that are hindering God from fully blessing us. Full obedience entitles you to the token. The life of Christ. And, and anything, full obedience, you also get all the promises. Now, he, he, Brother Branham will, will say, I'm afraid of these things. And then, as he stood there talking to me, he says these words to Brother Branham. You walk with too many. To walk with me, you need to walk alone. Now, this will be a separate part to what I'm going to take of this. But I'm going to ask you this. You can come out into a church. You can be in a church. But to really walk in the full promises of God, you will need to step out alone. You can be part of a good family. And God, and God gave you that family. But there's a time when you need to forget the family and you need to step out. You just can't come to God and say, you know what, my dad's a deacon. Thank you, Lord. I had a good family. No. It has to be bigger than that. It's got to be between you and God. Now, you might have friends, but there'll come a time when you actually have to step out and say, Lord, I love these friends. I'll keep them, but Lord, you have first place. Okay, now, Remember, Joshua, there was a coming out, there was a going in. What, I got to bring this to this proper place. So let me, let me read a little bit further. I'm in verse, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread on that I've given to you. And he says, verse 4, from the wilderness, this great Lebanon to the great river, the river Euphrates, all of this shall be your coast going fast. Verse 5, there shall not a man be able to stand before thee all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now, I believe that promise was not just for Joshua, but for everybody under Joshua. I believe the promise is under third pull because under third pull, under under. Going out, crossing the Red Sea, everybody was looking at Moses. But when they crossed the Jordan River, Joshua was following something too. What was going first? The priests carrying the Word. Look on the Word. Look on the tablets. Look on the ark that is there. That's your promise. It's not just looking on a man. It's got to be greater than that. 
Now, I, I, I'm not here to berate you or anything. We all have to come to this. Brother Branham had to come to this. You've sat in this church for a long time. Are you willing to step out and allow God to be God of your life? Are you willing to say, I'm not just comfortable sitting on the pew and attending with my parents and living a halfway life. I want God to fulfill His promises in my life. So I will not forsake thee. Be strong and of good, and good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land. And I will swear unto their fathers to give them only be strong and very courageous. It says that actually three times. Be courage, courageous. I'll tell you what, we got a lot of opposition. Believers got a lot of opposition. I have it. You have it. And we're going to need to get blinders to what's there and binoculars to focus on the promise. Now, I, I love this verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Or if I could put it in verbatim, the tapes should be playing continually. You shall meditate therein. And I would say, keep books in front of you. Keep, a, keep an iPod or an iPad or some kind of a player, if it's an Android or whatever it is. He says, keep it going. Meditate therein. For if you do that, then you'll be prosperous and you'll have good success. It's the law of displacement. Yes, I can look at this YouTube documentary, but that YouTube documentary may click me onto something else that's no good for me. Whereas it may be good to be in that, but I say the more you fill your YouTube documentary with prophet sermons or other churches or other things, the more the sidebar will pop up with those things. The more you'll be driven and the less you'll be tempted. It's the law of displacement. Whatever you immerse yourself in, something's got to come out. And I say the more you immerse yourself in the promises, the more of the world that it comes out. You're in a battle, friends. Arm yourself. This is for preachers. This is for deacons. This is for every one of us. Stay in the Word. Immerse yourself in it. You'll have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Now, I need to... My, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow this through in the way I need to. Now, 1960, Brother Bram says, you're waiting on your commission. 1961, Brother Branham speaks, no, 1960, later on, he speaks, as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. Now, he preaches that message. If you want to listen to it, I encourage you this week because I'm going to refer to it again. But at the beginning, he says, he met this ironclad man in a, standing before him in a vision or a dream. And then the divine one stood before me, and he said to me, seven more days and you'll stand as Moses stood or something concerning Moses. That leaves me one more day. 
And he says, it was about two years ago I saw the Bible come down where I was at. It opened up and it parted to Joshua chapter 1, the ninth verse, which says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thy goest. Okay? Now, I, I, I would like to just tell you, the fact that you're hearing these promises, you already have the favor of God. The fact that you're in a family that you're hearing, you need to say, God sent this word to me. Now, don't just leave it there. Take it. If you actually believe you have an inheritance, you'll fight for it. Now listen, you may have an Uncle Fred, and he may live in Montreal. Maybe it's not Frederick. Fred, it's maybe it's Frederick or whatever it may be in the, in, the, in the French language. And he's left you an inheritance. And you say, ah, it's Montreal. It's too far away. Are you actually going to do that? Or are you actually going to fight to get a ticket to go there and find out what it is? Are you actually going to say, no, I got something given to me. I'm going to take a hold of it. You'll fight for it. I think we need to have an attitude with a little more fight and say, hold on. These promises are for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And Brother Branham says, a page came down, a finger came down, turned to Joshua 1. He says, now he's in the message, I was with Moses. I've waited for this hour to approach, and now I feel it's God's will for me to speak concerning it. So that's in 1960. He actually goes in a little further into 1961. Now he's in a message paradox. I should have taken this quote right from the beginning, but he said... It was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and he sees this vision, and it looked in front of me, and I was coming down to Jordan. It looked like I was standing on the map of Palestine, and I was coming down to Jordan, and someone, I could hear the song, I'm going down to Jordan, looked like someone was singing, and I drew near the river, and I looked back and seen which way I'd come, and I saw that I was two-thirds of the way there to Jordan. And I looked across Jordan, and I said, oh, praise God. Just on the other side is where all the promises lay. Every promise lays in that promised land. I'll say this today. Jordan is what stands between us. Jordan is death to self. Jordan means a dying out. And I say this, to obtain every promise of God, there's too much of Ed Hammermeister in the way. There's too much of you in the way. There needs to be a complete death to allow God to move. Listen, I'm putting myself in that boat. I'm putting every one of us in that boat. But there's a promised land. Once you've crossed this land, now I, I'm going to just finish with one scripture. I, I really have a whole bunch of these that I want to get to. Okay, let me just take one, Hebrews 4, and then I'll take this last part. Hebrews chapter 3. Paul speaks in the first six verses about Moses, the faithful high priest. Then in verse 7 he says, 
Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works for 40 years. Now, I'm going to just pause, and I'll come back to this another time. They tempted me, they saw my works. What it conditioned the people to was a needs-based God. I have needs, Lord. Meet my needs, Lord. That's good. God will meet your needs. But there's something He wants first. He wants you to surrender your heart. How often did people come to God and, or to the prophet and say, I desire healing. And then Brother Brandon would pull them aside. Is your heart right with God? Have you surrendered to Him? You know, He'll answer your prayers. He's a good God. But what He really desires is you to surrender. And what causes hardness of heart? Because when you feel like God hasn't met my needs... I have this need. I've been lingering. It's been lingering. You haven't met my need, Lord. And after a while, our hearts get hardened because he hasn't met it. But there's another part to all of this here. So they saw my works. So they were looking for, and if we're not careful, as ministers we get into this, Lord, vindicate this service. Let the power of God fall. Let everything happen. No, sometimes we lay the word and say, Lord, I've delivered your word. I'm your faithful servant. You do the rest. I, I, it's not on me. It's, it's Lord, it's your word. It's your people. It, it's not me, Lord. It's you. I'm just your servant. Amen. I'm doing my part, Lord. You do their part. But he says, they tempted me. They proved me. They saw my works. Wherefore, verse 10, I was grieved with that generation. They do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. They were focused on works and not his ways. They weren't focused on his nature and his character. When you actually surrender yourself and you're not saying, Lord, deliver me from this habit, deliver me. Lord, be my Lord. I surrender my life. I surrender my job, my mate. I surrender everything. When you surrender, when you get to know his ways, the works will follow. Those things will come. But throw yourself in with him. Lord, you're my God. You're my Lord. I'm not just going to call on you when I need you. But I'm going to call on you when I'm feeling good, when I'm feeling bad. You're my Lord every day. You're on Sunday. You're Monday. You're every day. Lord, let me walk with you, Jesus. But is it? Sometimes we repent because we feel guilty. But when we actually say, now, I'm not just going to feel guilty because i got a bad conscience. But Lord, I'm going to, I don't want to come to this place again. I don't want to come to this circle in the wilderness. But Lord, I want to cross over. I want to lay it down, Lord. I don't want it anymore. I want to walk with you. I don't want what I want. I want what you want for me. We're going to close with this scripture, Acts chapter 2. Verse 37. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, 
men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto him, repent. Now the word is, it does not mean ease your conscience. Show, show yourself to be approved in front of the people. No, it actually means die out, surrender, give yourself to God. And be baptized. So once you do this, step one. Step two. Now, let some works follow. Be baptized. It's an outward show. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Okay? And then once you've done, once you've repented, once you've crossed over Jordan, and you've identified it with some works, you've gone in the tank. Then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What a promise! Oh, why would you wait? Why would you not fully surrender? What a promise! What a release! Why would you want to dwell on the other side in the wilderness when you can cross Jordan and have full freedom? Oh, what does hinder you? They think the Ethiopian said, there's water here. <laughs> he wasn't looking at, well, wait till there's a lake, wait till there's a convention. No, there's a little bit of mud hole here. Let's do it now. I need God. There was a brother. Actually, he was raised from the dead after. Uh, a brother, but he, he was so convicted and knew he needed to be baptized. He wanted his uncle to come who was a minister to baptize. And his uncle said, I can't be there till tomorrow. This brother went down to the creek himself and he put his hand on his head and says, I baptize myself in the name of Christ in case the Lord comes before tomorrow. <laughs> That's a man that means business with God. That's God that does this. So what does he say? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What's the next verse say? For the promise, the promise, who made this promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God has not stopped calling. God be praised. God has not stopped dealing with hearts. Listen, the promise is not up on you. But when he spoke to Abraham, he says, and Abraham could argue with God and says, Lord, you picked the wrong person. We, we can't have children. Here, look, here's the doctor's report. God says, what is that to thee? Is anything too hard to the Lord? You might say, Lord, I've sinned away my day of grace. I've done this and this. That doesn't matter anything to God because when he comes calling, when he comes knocking, he's not looking at you as what you were, but he's seeing you as what you will be. And we need to see ourselves as what we will be, not what we were. Die out, that's gone. You might stumble, you might fall, you might have other things, but that doesn't stop God. Listen, Abraham had many fallings. Even at the time God was going to fulfill his promise, he went down to Gerir. As one brother said, he went down to Gerir to establish a new career. But that isn't the... God didn't look at that. 
Because there was a pharaoh that was there. Musicians, you can come. There was a pharaoh that was there. There was a king, as Abimelech, I believe his name was. And he was a righteous man. God had never spoke to him. But one night, God appears to him. He says, Abimelech, oh God, it's you. I believe you all my life. Yes, yes, yes. He says, that, that woman you're going to marry, you're as good as a dead man. Lord, I'm honest. I'm sorry. No, that man is my prophet. That man is my son. But, but Lord, and I, I, I'll deal with him. He's my son. He lied. I'll deal with him. What a covenant. What a promise. The fact that God reaches out to you, deals with you. It's his promise to you. Oh, we're sons and daughters of the king. Friends, why would we linger? Why would we want to stay on the other side? Listen, there's a lot of dying out for me, a lot of dying out for you. I just took one promise but I'll say this, God is faithful to his word. Do you love him? Let's stand together this morning. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king. For his royal blood, oh it now flows. this morning. Take them. Seize them. Embrace Amen. them. Hallelujah. Yes, they're mine. Yes, every promise in the book is mine. 
I'll say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Oh, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, and I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. This morning, I thought, one more hour, please. One more hour. Brother Alan Dole, I'm going to have you come down and pray for us so you just make your way down. One more hour of sleep, Lord. I don't really feel like church this morning. Dear, make the coffee extra strong. I don't feel like very much of a Christian this morning. But then I came to church. I started thinking on the Lord. I started praying. I heard the songs of Zion. Something started to rise up in me. I am not born to be like this world. I'm a son and daughter of God. Therefore, I'll cast aside the doubts of the flesh. I cast aside these things. I'll immerse myself in the promises of God. Let's sing this verse, next chorus, and then, Brother Allen, I'm going to have you come and pray. When I woke this morning, well, I didn't have no doubt. Well, I knew that the Lord would bring me out. So I got down on my knees. I said, Lord, help me, please. I got up singing and shouting. 